Coming up on this week's show, VL Losi and RJ Scott talk about the latest installment in their Harrisburg Railers series, which arrives just in time for Valentine's Day. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome, everyone, to episode 123 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from JeffAdamsWrites.com. And I'm Will from WillKanaus.com. This week's episode is brought to you in part by listeners just like you. We will have more information on how you can help support this show in just a few moments. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the Valentine's Week episode. Happy Valentine's Day to you, my husband. Oh, oh thank you. Do you, should I go on a rant while I think Valentine's Day is bullshit? Sure. Um, I <laughs> I think the I think the concept is ludicrous um, and frankly stupid. Um, to paraphrase um, Charlie Brown Christmas, I believe Valentine's Day is run by a Big Eastern Syndicate. <laughs> um, it's just it's fake. It's made up. It's stupid. Um, if you need one day a year to tell your very special someone that you love them, then boy, have you got problems that <laughs> Valentine's Day can't fix. Um, I think it's dumb to try and make one night out of the year special, especially when that night, like this year, falls in the middle <laughs> of the Wednesday. week. It's like, ugh. Because everyone else is going to be out trying to make this one night very special. Uh, and frankly, don't bother. You're going to be miserable. <laughs> um, do it the day after or do it next weekend. That's what I recommend. Yeah. Um, well, we're yeah. always, we're always the people who put our holidays, our birthdays or whatever on the, on the nearest weekend. Yeah. We don't try to do it in the, yeah, I think, I think Valentine's day comes with some of the same pressure that, uh, new year's can come with where you've got to be with someone and you got to have that moment to get the kiss at midnight and there's all that. Social pressure. Um, I love this one every day of the year. I might do a little extra bonus on Valentine's Day, but... <laughs> extra bonus loving. <laughs> <laughs> okay, however you choose how to spend your Wednesday this week, we wish you the very best. Yes. As, as always. Absolutely. I think that's always the case. And uh, as you should always uh, tell that special person in you, your life that you love them. Yes. I love you. Oh, I love you too, baby. So, there you go. Okay. Let's go to the weekly updates. Weekly stuff. Uh, Codename Winger 4, which is currently titleless. I usually go into these with the title of the of the book. I don't know what this one's called yet. Um, yeah. So we'll figure that out. But there's about 10,000 words written on it so far. So I'm off and running on that. Mm -hmm. And speaking of Winger stuff, uh, book number two, which is called Schooled, uh, went up for pre-sale this week on the Harmony Inc. site. It comes out May 1st. So I won't talk about that too much between here and May 1st, but it was a milestone that the uh, that it went up on Harmony for some pre-sale action. So we'll put that link in the show notes this week. And uh, we officially got underway with getting moving stuff happening. Um, yes, the moving stuff that we m briefly mentioned last week has, has borne fruit, has come to fruition. Uh, yes, we officially have a place yes. uh, just outside of Sacramento. 
yes, we have a place and we're starting to organize moving stuff. So there's garage sales in progress and well, not in progress, but being planned. And interestingly, Facebook marketplace seems to be bearing some fruit too. I was a little not sure how that would work out, but that possibly is a place to sell stuff uh, in a local area. So that's kind of fun as we keep driving towards uh, a middle of March. We're about a month away from when we actually want to move this week. Mm -hmm. So keep your fingers crossed for us. Yes. Uh, now, despite your rant about Valentine's Day, you do have information of some goodies that people can get who love their romance for Valentine's Day. What yes. you got? Yes, I do love my romance. I wanted to quickly mention that Sweet and Spicy Gay Romance Deals uh, is hosting the Cupid Strikes Again MM Romance Giveaway. That means free books for you. It is running now through February 18th, 2018. So it's a very limited time. Um, some of the authors taking part in this giveaway are uh, our friend Garrick Rose, uh, Piper Scott, and Alex Miska. Also part of this giveaway, there are some Alpha Omega stories available. So if you um, have ever been interested in sampling uh, part of the Omegaverse, uh, and it's okay, it's just between you and me, if you're a little bit curious, uh, I think this is the perfect opportunity to try out those kinds of stories. Uh, once again, the Cupid Strikes Back uh, romance giveaway runs now through the 18th. Uh, we will have the link in the show notes, mm -hmm. and I uh, highly recommend you check it out. Lots of great books. Yeah. Also coming up this follow this coming weekend on Saturday, February 17th, Gay Romlet 2018 registration opens. Uh, if you're an author, whether you're featured or supporting, your time to register is noon Eastern on Saturday, February 17th. And if you're going for general admission, uh, it's at 2 o'clock that registration will open. That's Eastern time on Saturday, February 17th. Gayromlet.com has all the information you need to know to figure out what registration level you want to be at. And we're certainly going and hope to see you in Portsmouth as well. Indeed. Uh, now is the time of the show where we like to thank all of our patrons. Thank you, everyone, who has joined us on Patreon. Um, where was I going to go with that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, we, of course, as always, uh, thank everyone who joins us every week on Patreon and helps support the show. Uh, your support has helped us uh, improve some of the technology involved behind the scenes. We are currently using a brand new HD camera to record this show. Yes, for those of you on the, on the video feed, you're seeing something a little more HD, perhaps not quite uh, tuned exactly right as we're still learning some of the, the stuff behind it. But uh, We're kind of pink and washed out at the moment. We're going to have to, yeah, fiddle with the settings. But it's high def. Um, I don't, yeah, don't look this week. It doesn't look great. We haven't learned everything about the camera yet. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so, uh, thank you everyone who has supported us on Patreon. Now, as always, you can help support the show with a pledge through Patreon for as little as 25 cents per episode. And your pledge helps pay for the cost of producing, distributing, and helping us uh, improve some of the technology as well. Mm -hmm. Now, for fans who pledge at the silver and gold levels, you'll have the exclusive opportunity to ask questions of our upcoming guests. Also, all patrons have the option to have a personalized thank you sent directly to them. And as always, any month that we have pledges that cover our monthly production costs, we'll produce a bonus episode, especially for our patrons. Uh, 
February bonus episode is coming up immediately following this one. Uh, we're going to record it, and the bonus episode will be live on Patreon on the... Thir- on Tuesday. On the 13th. 13th, the day before Valentine's Day. Now, uh, you can join us and learn more at patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. That is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash biggayfictionpodcast. In the Hockey Player's Heart, the feel-good gay romance by Jeff Adams and Will Knaus, hockey star Caleb Carter returns to his hometown to recover from an injury. He never expects to run into his one-time crush at a grade school fundraiser. Seeing Aaron Price hits him hard, like being checked into the boards. The attraction is still there, even after all these years, and Caleb decides to make a play for the school teacher. You miss 100% of the shots you never take, right? Aaron has been burned by love before, and can't imagine what a celebrity like Caleb could possibly see in a guy like him. Their differences are just too great. But as Aaron spends more time with Caleb, he begins to wonder if he might have what it takes to win the hockey player's heart. Get the hockey player's heart at dreamspinnerpress.com, amazon.com, and other online book retailers. So you have a book to tell us about this week. Mm-hmm. We're actually going to do a sort of a review roundup. We've got several things to talk about this week. The first one I want to chat about is called Fortune Slings and Cupid's Arrows by Ari McKay. It is a novella in their Lawyers in Love series. Um, and this is a really sweet friends to lovers story. Uh, one of my favorite kind. Um, it involves Dane and Cal. Dane um, unfortunately is feeling pressure. He's sort of like under the thumb of his very rich and powerful uh, father. And he feels very, very trapped, uh, like he can't come out and be his true authentic self. Um, sort of like poor little rich boy syndrome, kind mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but Cal is his very best friend and stands by him no matter what. Uh, and Cal eventually, you know, tells him that, Dane, I'm in love with you, and I think you're amazing, and I think you can do it. And so um, the, most of the story is sort of Dane's journey to uh, acceptance and that realize, and his realization that he can overcome the uh, obstacles that uh, have sort of trapped him for most of his life. Um, he's so trapped, in fact, that he is engaged to a woman, and there is a big Valentine's Day uh, party uh, that he has to go through. His father is throwing. Uh, it's, it, it's you know, in quotes, an engagement party, but really his dad is, like, wheeling and dealing and doing business and all sorts of crap like that. Uh, he's a genuinely horrible person. Um <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Dane has, uh, every right to hate him and feel, uh, as trapped as he does. Uh, eventually r- he realizes that, uh, being true to himself and marrying this woman is not the right path. Uh, and he chooses the right path, uh, and he chooses Cal and they live happily ever after. Um, really quick, I want to mention that on March 19th, uh, Dream Spinner Press is going to be releasing the Lawyers in Love collection. Uh, oh, it cool. is it is a paperback 
um, sort of omnibus of the three different novellas that are in this series. It, of course, includes Fortune's Slings and Cupid's Arrows, which is a Valentine's Day story. It also includes uh, two Christmas stories. Um, let me see. On my list, I have it's uh, Heart of Glass and Santa's Naughty Helper, which I reviewed a couple of months ago during my sort of Christmas novella uh reading binge extravaganza yeah i love that story an <laughs> awful lot so i uh, highly recommend you check out fortune slings and if you're interested in the paperback the uh, lawyers in love collection cool so i'm gonna start my portion of the uh the binge of reviews with uh down on the farm and the past comes home which are by Sylvia Violet. I did the audiobook, so these were narrated by Greg Brudeau, also known as Greg Tremblay. Uh, he spoke about these books a little bit last week in his interview, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, these are from the Ames Bridge series of Sylvia's. These are books one and two. Uh, in Down on the Farm, uh, this is enemies to lovers and kind of a little bit second chance, too. Yep, um, it is. These guys, uh, Beck and Cal... Uh, we're at odds with each other in high school. Cal picked on uh, Beck with his jock friends pretty relentlessly. Uh, Beck has come home to Amesbridge after being away uh, teaching uh, at a in a larger city. Uh, but he still had to quit his job uh, because some things came out that he was gay. And uh, he has a settlement with his school district and he decided to quit anyway. And he's come home to clean out his grandmother's house. Cal, Cal's family has owned the land next to his grandma's house for generations now and for a long time the family has been trying to either buy or lease land uh from beck's family to expand their operations a little bit and beck is hardly home before a cow comes a calling uh to try to get this land and he finds uh immediately that he's just as attracted to cal now as he was back in high school and we find out actually that cal is quietly out in certain aspects of the community and that uh, Cal also had a thing for Beck in high school as well. And so now you've got these two men who kind of feel like they should be hating each other a little bit for various reasons and trying to come together, little snaps and crackles as they get back talking to each other and trying to help each other with their individual things between Cal really renovating what his farm does and turning it into a green farm. Uh, to become a model farm around the area. And Cal and Beck, rather, trying to figure out if he's going to go back to teaching, does he need to stay, should he stay at Ames Bridge and what all this is. Um, they are so completely um, satisfying. And how they come clean with their pasts with each other is one of the favorite things I love about this book. Uh, the small town portrait <clears throat> also I enjoyed quite a lot. There's, an, there's part of Ames Bridge that embraces... Uh, all of their residents and another side that is decidedly uh, right-wing Christian and homophobic and would like to run all the gays out of town. Um, so that adds a nice kind of background to the story and, and Cal and Beck finding their support um, was as heartwarming to me as the actual romance itself. Um, but I love how they come together and decide to work fully towards their HEA. Uh, In the Past Comes Home... We meet, well, we, we see again art gallery owner Pax, who we met a little bit in the first book. Uh, and he kind of provided a little bit of an inspiration to both Cal and Bex that you could be out in this community because he came home to run this gallery and open this gallery and help transform the town into more of a touristy, artsy destination. 
um, for, I, got, I totally lost my place in my notes there for a second. Um, Brad comes back home for his 20 year for his 20th high school reunion and Pax and Brad have a history. Uh, Pax, uh, was it had a mad crush on Brad while he was in high school. It turns out as in the other book, Brad also had a crush on Pax. They both have a lot of baggage surrounding, uh, Brad's older brother who passed away, mm-hmm. um, before we get into the book. Uh, but he kind of ties the two together and they both have baggage around the older brother. Um, and in fact, the reunion happens right around the anniversary of the brother's death. Uh, this is more of a straight up second chance romance. It's not so much uh, enemies to lovers because these guys were never really enemies. They just couldn't find their way to each other. Um, this one pulled up my heartstrings a little bit more because Pax is so scared to get into this relationship. Brad's kind of all in, but he's got to pull Pax along the way to get him to understand that Brad's willing to be out. He's willing to at least be in Amesbridge part-time because he's a consultant, so he can kind of work anywhere. Uh, But Pax is terrified that once he sees what certain people in the town will think of it, that Brad will just pack up and run away. Um, So it's really that one pulled on my heartstrings a little bit more. And the way that these two go between being just opposite with each other and totally lovable uh, just really did it for me. And the whole, the scene that plays out at the high school reunion, which I won't go into cause you know, spoilers, uh, was completely adorable. Um, book three in this series, uh, tied to home came out in January. And as soon as Greg, uh, finishes that audiobook and it's available on audible, I'll certainly be picking that up. Now you read these two mm-hmm. on the audio. Mm-hmm. Um, you nodded a lot while I talked. I, I take it you like these as well. <laughs> I did. I think they're really good books, really solid second chance romance books, uh, as I mentioned. One of my favorite tropes ever. Um, so, yeah, I highly recommend the Amesbridge series by Sylvia Vach, but they're really good. Cool. Movies. Yes, let's take a few minutes to talk movies. Recently, Jeff and I finally got around to seeing Call Me By Your Name. Uh, now, for those of you who don't remember or have been living under a rock, um, uh, Call Me By Your Name is based on the best-selling uh, literary tale uh, of the same name. Uh, came out uh, 10 years ago. Uh, a couple of months ago, Jeff and I read and listened to the book, um, and it is the story of a young Italian guy and how he falls for his, uh, the... I would say the visiting American person working on his book. Yeah, yeah. Um, So... Visiting academic would be more clear. There we go. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So that's sort of essentially a coming-of-age, coming-out story. Uh, the movie follows the book uh, pretty closely. Uh, there are some minor changes. Um, what did you think? I particularly love the performances. Uh, Army Hammer as the academic, and I'm, I've, I found out recently I'm pronouncing his name wrong, and I'm probably not going to do it right here. Uh, he's more like Timothy instead of Timothy. Um, there's an accent in there. Uh, who's uh, Timothy Chimalte? Is that right? Did no, I butcher Chalamet. That? Chalamet. See, just doing it badly. Um, were really outstanding. I could see why the younger actor's up for an Oscar nomination here because I thought his work was really good. Um, he played his emotions 
really on the surface and it gave a little bit of the feeling of the book because the book is really all in the young man's head um, and told from his point of view. So he had a lot to convey to get stuff out there since there wasn't, thankfully, voiceover narration discussing exactly what he was feeling about the moment. Um, some of my favorite scenes from the book aren't there. And I actually wonder how, if you haven't read the book, how the movie works. Because I feel like there's a lot of subtext just missing because of the cinematic nature that they had to go to. Mm -hmm. But I still enjoyed it. It's it's a beautiful film. The story that they've told is really good. Uh, I feel like I had to fill in a lot of pieces because of the book that I'd read versus what I saw on the screen. Okay. All right. And your take on it? Um, like the book, uh, after I, we walked out of the movie, I was sort of like, meh, you know, um, truthfully, I didn't quite connect to the movie. Uh, a lot of people are like jumping up and down saying it's the best, you know, gay cinema ever. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that the movie is bad in any way. Um, I just didn't connect with it. I think there are a lot better, um coming of age coming out stories uh from years past um so uh, like i said i didn't hate it but i didn't love it either oh the one last thing i will say is that the closing scene uh i found it extraordinary it was my favorite thing in the movie and i i really feel like that's why that young man could get his oscar mm -hmm. because that was stunning mm-hmm also, we want to quickly mention, we also watched God's Own Country. Um, I've been seeing a lot of people mention this movie online, saying that they liked it even more than Call Me By Your Name. Um, I think it, God's Own Country is sort of um, maybe unfairly labeled uh, British Brokeback, um, simply because the two main characters in God's Own Country happen to be farmers and they get to know each other and fall in love while they're caring for a herd of sheep, just like in that other classic film. Uh, but that's really kind of where the similarities end. Um, God's Own Country uh, came out last year in 2017. Uh, as I mentioned, it's a British film, and it's the story of Johnny. Uh, he feels... he's ugh, Boy, does his life suck. <laughs> he, mm -hmm. he, uh, he feels trapped. Uh, he's uh, eventually stuck on his family's farm his father has had a stroke uh, and can't do much anymore so johnny is the only guy who's uh running the farm uh, taking care of all of the animals and uh it's a pretty bleak situation uh his family hires a romanian um uh farmhand uh to to help keep the the place running uh uh Gheordi, Georgi, sorry, uh, is his name. Uh, and, of course, uh, the, the, the two of them sort of clash uh, uh, initially, uh, but then once they get to know each other, uh, they think they're great, uh, <laughs> um, and they fall in love. Uh, there's drama involving the family and the farm, uh, but eventually everything works out, uh, which is very good. What did you think? Yeah, I would agree with you on the uh, on the Brokeback similarity track. Um, this one, I liked it. I it, it took me a little bit to get into it. There was a, a slow ramp up for me, but you're right. The 
poor Johnny has a sucky life. <laughs> um, but I like, I liked how these two found each other and how it was kind of a slow burn between. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you're, that's accurate. You're someone I can just get off with. Uh, while we're stuck out here minding these sheep, to you're someone I can see building a life with, mm-hmm. um, and how all that comes together, and I think I feel like Johnny really had a growth track here <laughs> because he went from I would say being selfish around his activities, around having to take care of the farm and take care of his father and stuff, to really maturing into the role. Uh, I need to do this. This is the right thing. And I can also have this love in my life. Mm-hmm. He, he really arced really nicely uh, in the film. Uh, it was, I loved it. I got to where I just, the longer it went, the more I just loved the film. Um, and yeah, I, I also liked it better than Call Me By Your Name mm-hmm. as an entire cinematic piece. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really good. Check it out. Yes, God's Own Country. It's it's available uh, in most streaming places wherever you choose to rent or buy films. Did you know that podcasts love to get reviews too? Taking a moment to leave a review about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast helps us with the show's visibility online. Please take a moment to visit iTunes and leave a review. Your comments help other readers of gay romance discover this show. Thanks for helping us spread the word about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. So two friends of the podcast, V.L. Lucy and R.J. Scott, were back this week. Uh, we were talking about their newest installment in the Harrisburg Railer series called Poke Check. It was so fun talking to these two. We had a hilarious time <laughs> cracking each other up more often than not. Uh, so let's get to that interview. So for Valentine's Week, I'm very happy to welcome back to the podcast VL Losi and RJ Scott. Uh, VL loves worn jeans, yoga, belly laughs, Doctor Who, Torchwood, reading and writing lusty tales, Greek mythology, the New York Rangers comic books, and coffee, and not necessarily in that order. She shares her life with her husband, her daughter, one dog, two cats, two Jersey steers, and a flock of assorted domestic fowl, which apparently are all under snow as we're talking this morning. <laughs> Mostly, yeah. RJ's goal is to write stories with a heart of romance, a troubled road to reach happiness, and most importantly, that hint of a happily ever after. She's the best-selling author of over 100 romance books. She writes emotional stories of complicated characters, cowboys, millionaires, princes, and the men who get mixed up in their lives. You need to update your bio, because now there's hockey players in there. (laughs) There is hockey players, yeah. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you. Hi, thanks for having us. So it's Valentine's week, and you have a brand new book out with the Harrisburg Railers line. Tell us all about Poke Check. Over to you, VL. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, Way to divert that question, RJ. <laughs> oh, she's, she's, she's good. She's good. Yeah. Uh, well, Poke Check is the fourth book. Correct me on any mistakes I make here, RJ. The fourth book in the Railers series. Um, it stars the goalie Stan. Everybody was crazy to get his story, so RJ and I made sure we included it in in the series. Um, it's I don't know how much do you want me to like give you the blurby blurb or just like tell you like what it's about or I'm not sure what you what you want from me tell here with it. Tell us what the story is about. The story is about um, Stan. Oh boy, he 
he met a, a fellow hockey player uh, for a training camp during the summer in Helsinki, I believe it was. Uh-huh. And um, they um, hit it off, to put it mildly. Um, there's a lot of a language barrier going on, but they still managed to get their points across to each other, um, Stan and Eric. Um, things being what they were at the end of this training camp, Eric left, kind of broke Stan's heart. Um, life throws him a little bit of a curveball and brings Eric back into the Stan's life and onto the Harrisburg Railers. So they have to then work through their own personal issues, of course, as well as the, the mess that it brings into the team and into the locker room. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty powerful story, though, I think. I mean, it's, there's a lot of redemption. Yeah, we love Stan. And there's a lot of redemption in it and, um, you know, forgiveness. And they both have to look deep into themselves, you know, to get past what happened. Okay. What was the seed of inspiration for the book? Well, that's to you, RJ. Thanks for that one. Mm-hmm. Can I take the first question? Can I mean, <laughs> no, wait, no, I fumbled through that. <laughs> What was the inspiration? I mean, Stan started off as just a, a mention that we needed a goalkeeper. And, you know, that was that was Stan. And he happened to be Russian and he happened to like talking to the pipes. And he was a little bit odd, as most goaltenders are. <laughs> uh, and uh, he just grew. He was friends with Ten in book one. And... Um, he was a really good foil for 10 because 10 was all talking and Stan was coming back with some really weird words and he was just a funny character and he grew and he grew and and we got so many emails and comments about wanting Stan's character and he's still odd and he's still weird but that's just on the surface and we get to hear about you know his feelings about what's going on in Russia um, at the moment and his fears for his family back in Russia and um, and also his hopes for the future and, and we, that whole the whole book is about is about that it's his journey from from being scared to, to looking forward to the future and, and being in love and obviously Eric was a big part of his life last summer and we just wanted to show somebody else who had their own journey and they just happened to meet up on the railers again and their journeys collided. Mm-hmm. Did any of that make any sense? Yes, that was, Absolutely. That was lovely. Their journeys that was collided. Lovely. That was lovely. Yes, yeah, Stan was a really interesting character that he, like RJ said, he really just started out as this background character because we needed a goalie and we decided we wanted to have a Russian goalie. I'm not sure why he wanted to be, why we wanted him to be Russian, just because we wanted him to be. And um, he's, he, he's learning all of his English mostly through, uh, you know, uh, American TV, um, pop culture. Yeah, he, he, he's really big on Elvis Presley movies. So, like, a lot of that is, yeah, yeah, his English is, is, is really groovy. Um, and so he's very much like, I think a, a, what appeals to him uh, me about him is he's, he's almost like um, a mork for mork, where you take this alien and you plunk him down into American society and you get to watch their journey through, you know, his eyes, and he's trying so hard to be what he wants to be, which is an American. Um, 
And it also, it's funny how it like kind of touches on things that were relevant still with immigration and, you know, all of this. So it's, it's, he's, he's really an interesting character and he, and he's a lot of fun to write. He's a lot of fun. Yeah. What kind of research did you have to do for like his speech patterns and just what things could be like in Russia for his family and stuff like that to kind of make him authentic on the page? Well, I can talk about the speech patterns a bit because uh, being a Penguins fan, um, obviously um, we have a certain Russian on our team and the way he talks and the way he's talking has improved since when he first joined the Penguins. Uh, we're talking Malkin here all the way through to now. And um, so and, and Vicky's obviously seen the same thing. And there are a lot of Russians in the NHL. So mm. we get to see their interviews and the way they they miss out words that don't seem important and then get words wrong. Um, so we did that kind of research. But the research on the immigration, um, that was you, wasn't it, Vicky? You did that side. Yeah, 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 I did that. I um, I read up on um, how things are in Chechnya. Um, Stan's not from Chechnya, but he's from a very uh, a, a locale very close to it. And so I did a lot of research on how things are for gay people in Chechnya and in Russia in general. And I tried to, I didn't want that to overpower the story, but it's, I mean, it's, it's a very important part of who Stan is, where he comes from, and why he is the way he is. Um, and his, you know, his mother and his and his sister are still in Russia, and it's it's a it's a very powerful drive of why he um, he does not want anybody to know because he's afraid that that news will get back to Russia and it might impact his family. So I mean, it's 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 very important to him and to his character. And, you know, I also wanted to, you know, we wanted to bring that to light and make, you know, to, you know, have people know this is happening today, you know, in this country. And the more exposure it gets, the better. And so that was that was part of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it's hard to to populate a hockey book that doesn't have at least one Russian in it somewhere. So it's great that you, <laughs> yeah. that you were able to yeah. deepen out yeah. that that character. Well, we have a Russian and a Swede. And a Canadian. A couple of Canadians, some Americans. <laughs> it's a nice little melting pot, yeah. 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 <laughs> Did you put a British hockey player in yet? No, no, but we. I need to. I need to write a right. British player in the NHL. There has to be a British person here who can play well enough to get to the NHL. There has to be. Or would aspire to be good enough to, to do what it yeah, takes to get there. absolutely. You know, Absolutely, yeah. Ooh, there. Uh -oh. there went the prop <gasps> bunny. I see that look in her eye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Take, take a note, Vicky. Take a note. <laughs> take a note, Losi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so take us back four books. What was the origin of the Harrisburg Railers series? <laughs> I have a. Uh, a weekly thing on my blog where I interview authors and I I loved this um this series of books about this guy called Vic who was a hockey player and um the guy he fell for Dan who has the patience of a saint and I absolutely fell in love with it and I'd met Vicky online through um a hockey romance website that we both worked on and um hockeyromance.com if anybody wants to know that um but we um we got talking and I interviewed her and I said you know we should write together and that was it 
that was how it started, wasn't it? Yeah. It was we had all these stories and they just spilled out. It it, it was it's a mess. We wrote wrote book one in about three weeks, didn't we? We did, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Then yeah. book two of three. And the only thing reason that book five has taken longer, five weeks, is because Christmas got in the way. So Yeah, we had to stop for a day or two. <laughs> yeah. 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 But we yeah, I've I, it's very inspirational. I find I make I don't um it's it's different co-authoring as you know doing it solo and I find that I'm I mean I'm usually very inspired to write anyway I mean I write on a daily basis that's just part of my thing but I find like with RJ like you, you write your your chapter and you send it to her and you're like mm, oh, I'm so nervous I hope she likes it and she, she of course and she's like oh my god this is fabulous and then you're like yeah and then she gets real so she's like oh I want to write this right now but it's nine o'clock at night and I have god dang it I gotta go to bed so, and but you really inspire each other I find you know and that's I think that's why we can knock them out as quickly as we do I mean because there have been yeah. days where it's been like she'll send me her ch chapter and I'll be like, well, I just might start on mine yeah. right now. Yeah. That's how it works. And sometimes <laughs> yeah. we'll turn over, we'll turn around 6,000 words in a, in a particular day because of the time zone differences. So, yeah. you know, that works yeah. really well. But we just wanted to, we just wanted to have this team and we wanted to have all these love stories, all these possibilities. And we're both great writers of romance. We love romance and, and we love hockey and it just, happened didn't it there wasn't any did. we didn't even set out to write a series when we first started writing it was just going to be changing lines and kind of we had ideas but you know we weren't sure how it would work well we've mm -hmm. got ideas for about three thousand books <laughs> just three thousand just yes. three, well maybe more for this series <laughs> yeah for this series <laughs> yeah how did you piece the team together what was your what was kind of the, the process of like putting together, we know we're going to do a book and we need a team and we need some players. How did all of it kind of get put together initially? Just bouncing ideas or? Yeah, I... yeah, yeah, basically. I don't, we didn't sit down like, um, we didn't sit down and like really create a team. Like I've done that before. I've, I've sat down, I think I did that with, with the Venom where I sat down and I made the roster and I listed every, yeah. you know, every player on the roster and the coaches and where they play in their practice facility. And that's really handy, but we just didn't do that. It's just not the way we work. You know, we're kind of like, okay, well, we're going to have, you know, like with the first book, well, we're going to have Tennant, we're going to have Jared. And then the characters just kind of came to life as we were writing them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, they just keep growing and growing and they just kind of populated, you know, the series themselves. They're very pushy, these fellas. I mean, when, oh, when God, they're, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, you know, like when we were like, like writing Changing Lines and, you know, setting up for our um, first season. Well, you know, OK, we, you know, we, we need we need a social media guy. And RJ was like, mm, I got this. You know, and then she just had it, you know. And so we had to have Adler. And then it's just like every book, the team grows and grows and grows. Yeah, it's a very organic growth for the team, which is like very organic. a normal yeah. team. Because, you know, you just fall in love with a player on your team, don't you? And they move on or they get traded or yeah. they retire or, you know, some tragedy happens and they have to have six months off or whatever. So it's it's like real life. Mm -hmm. And that's how it's worked. So, no, we haven't we haven't sat down and said, right, he's a left wing. He's 24. <laughs> we haven't done any of that. 
except yeah. for our specific our specific character we knew that 10 did xyz because we had to be able to say that he'd been doing this for three years or he'd mm-hmm. had this injury or, or or what have you so mm-hmm. yeah yeah like we'll we'll do a pretty pretty in-depth character bios of our couples for yeah. this particular book because like she said you have to know you have to have their history um, but mostly everything else is just organic and it just pops up. We'll be like, hey, what do you think of this? Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> We're really professional. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. We're <laughs> professional. <laughs> and I imagine with with five books under your belt here now, you've at least got the writer's Bible of, of who everybody is you've done already. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, totally. Yep. We've, got, <laughs> we've got a Google Doc that we add to for every book. And so right down the bottom, you, we have actually uh, got a table with names, positions, numbers, and, and, you know, brief little kind of like, this is X's arm or whatever. So we've got, we've, we've got that. Um, but we haven't got a huge Bible. We just know, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. And we oh. have a wonderful team, a wonderful team of beta readers. Yeah, we do. Um, and, editors and proofers who will be like you know you said in this book that this was for this person's uncle and now it's like his cousin you know oh thank you, you know, they keep us in line they keep us i in mean line. the classic was um i believe we gave a, a we i say we it was entirely my fault um i gave two of the players the same number which oh, is, I remember is that. It kind of like um was it it wouldn't have maybe been picked up by some people but you take a hockey fan they would certainly pick that up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to be super careful and, you know, get the terms right and things like that. So, I think, you know, things slip by, though. I mean, even through proofers and editors and beta readers, it, you yeah. know, we all aspire for perfection, but we're human. So, yeah, we don't quite get there. But we're pretty damn close, aren't we, Vicky? We are as close as we can possibly <laughs> And that's all we can ask for. Because otherwise, it just you, you drive yourself crazy with trying to get it right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. What's the writing process like for you two? You you mentioned a little bit that you know because of your time difference between RJ in in London and and Vicky on the East Coast, you you do get to write a lot of words in the day potentially. But how does the how does it break down between who's writing what along the way and how the plots come together? I guess when we um, when we come up with the idea, we've both got a feeling for which character we want to take. Like Stan was always going to be Vicky's because she has got this amazing uh, connection with his language and um, his culture, and it's just she that was going to be her character. So she she would write, uh, "Are you okay with me taking this, Vicky?" Because I kind of launched in there. No, yeah. Okay. So so Vicky will write a chapter. Um, about Stan, for example, and then she would send that to me. I read her chapter. I'll make any comments on it, make notes of what she said, like maybe to move the story forward or, or something I need to to do in my chapter. Then I will take Eric. Now he's my character, so we will still write. I will still write bits about Stan in my chapters, but I will kind of uh, defer to Vicky. I, I kind of say, well, would he do that? Do you see him doing that in? in your characterization. So then I will write my Eric chapter and send that to, to Vicky. And then she kind of goes back and sees what I commented on her chapter. She'll edit 
in my chapter and so it goes on and on and on so it kind of grows very organically I've used that mm -hmm. word twice now today my word of the day it's a good word it's a good but word it works, it works very smoothly for us now, i'm not sure if it would work that smoothly for two other authors who were co-authors no. um but no. our, our writing process even our basic writing process on our solo books is very very similar so yeah. you know we're both we don't plot a lot you know we're, we're very much seat of the pants writers so you know yeah that sometimes we're like well okay you know this this didn't work we'll have to go back and tweak this we tweak a lot we're big yeah we do we're yeah big tweakers yeah. but it, it works it works now you you mentioned being a pantser for for both of you essentially how much do you give yourselves a framework when you're working together or is it very much vicky going <laughs> I'm going to do this today and then throw it back over and see kind of what sticks and yeah, vice versa. Totally. It is, it's a, it's a challenge. And I think that's half the fun. Um, I mean, I've sent a couple of, I sent a chapter back in our latest book and I literally had to hide under the table because I'd done something that <laughs> Vicky, would, <laughs> Vicky would not have been expecting. And actually she ran with it and that was, that was cool. And she's done the same thing to me. But it's challenging. It's her. It's her character doing what they're supposed to do. Now my character, like in real life, has to decide what they're going to do because of that. So um, yeah, I mean that's the way we work, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Very what much. Was the question, what was the question? <laughs> no, I mean you answered it because it was about like how much framework comes up ahead of time. There is no framework. <laughs> there really no, there isn't. There really isn't. I know people are gonna be like, "What? How? Can, you know?" But you're supposed to. You're supposed to have your plot skeleton, and you're supposed to have, you know, blah blah blah. And that's just not. That's just not the way we work. Um, even like I said before, even in our solo work, uh, we're very similar in that. Is like if, if we don't plot out a lot, um, we write what we're gonna write, and like she said, and we'll throw it up there, and then I'll be like okay, here's a chapter, I'm going to go, you know, and I'll be like waiting to hear what she has to say because she'll be like, what, <laughs> where did this come from? 90% of the time it works. Sometimes it doesn't, but you know, yeah, we're very, we're, we're, we're very organic in that manner. Yeah, very much so, but we do know our characters very well. We spend quite a lot of time talking about our characters and their motivations and their, their you know, their void, where they're, where they're coming from. So, and, and we know we're heading for like 50, 60,000 words. And, and every so often we'll stop and we'll go, look, we've got another 30,000. Are we at the point that we want to be at right now? And should we go back and tweak this? And so there is, there is proper writing-y stuff being done there. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Here and there. <laughs> Here and there. <laughs> and I think, you know, over the course of interviewing co-writers for the podcast, I mean, we hear about all kinds of different processes that it happens. And as long as it works for you guys, you know, that's that's the key. It would be interesting if, like, one of you was very much the pantser and the other one was really like, I need a structure. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I don't know. Do you think even that people, like, like, would that different could even co-author? I mean, like, it would be a lot more difficult, I think. Like, if like if I was a strict plotter and RJ was like, well, here you go, and I've thrown X, Y, and Z into this, I would I would just be like, I can't yeah. do this. You know, you didn't follow the... It would, it would yeah. I think, be a lot more you know, confrontational, maybe. But yeah. that's, you know... 
I haven't encountered that pairing yet, but if I do, I'll let you know. Yeah, because it'd be interesting to see like how how they work around that, you know. Yeah. I'm not sure I could work with somebody who knows that in chapter four there's gonna be this. Because I think was it Stephen King who said you don't you know, I don't know my characters yet, I haven't met them because you don't you don't meet your characters until you're you're writing about them and, and the story takes you along. I might know that these two guys meet and in the last chapter they fall in love and they get married and in the prologue it's a year later or whatever. But I don't know the journey they're going to, because the journey, oh my God, word of the day, it's very organic. <laughs> <laughs> so how many more books do we have to expect for Railers? Is there an end point or does it just keep coming? Uh, we, we are at least two more after Polchek. We yeah, have five is done. done. Five is done and off. Well, off to the beta, and the yeah. beta's not done with it. Um, so there's definitely six. Now we're we're going to we're going to do a, an, a new adult trilogy after six, and then and then we're not sure yet what's going to happen after the trilogy. Um, RJ is coming out to Pittsburgh in March for Angels and Sirens, and I will be there. Um, we're going to hang out, and then she's going to come hang out with me here in the mountains and probably get snowed in. Um, yes! But, but, but yeah! yeah. <laughs> but we, 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 we're, we're going to sit, and we're going to have some wine, and we're going to discuss what I don't what drink. I, do. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't drink. Okay, I'll drink your half for you now. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to decide from there. I can't. I don't want to say we will not. I don't want to say we will, but I, I am sincerely hoping that we will continue on, if not with derailers, possibly with something new. There will After definitely be something. We we won't stop writing. Um, the trilogy that the new adult trilogy that's um, is is like um, the first book is called Riker, and that is actually Jared's son, Jared from Railers One, uh, Ten's. Um, other half so there is uh there's going to be a crossover book at christmas mm -hmm. with railers and the new yeah. adult series um but absolutely we'll have another series and absolutely it's going to be done something to do with hockey but there is that whole problem like you know when you have a family of five brothers and they all happen to be gay because you need five books you've got that whole story that whole problem with uh, a hockey team as well you, you can only have right. so many stories before it's like is How many gay men can there be on this hockey team? Fight? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, right. We, right. We, but you know, I think we should carry on with the railers until we're old. Uh, or just keep, <laughs> just keep creating new teams for the railers to play, and then you can meet those people and just keep. You can build the whole league. Well, we have we have the Arizona Raptors, don't we? Look at that. There's another plot <laughs> buddy or two going off right there. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll be back later, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> now, back in the fall, the three of us, along with Heather Lear, joined up to do Changing on the Fly Two, which is still out there for people to get through the rest of the hockey season. Uh, how are we doing on our sales, Vicky? Um. As of today, we've made about $1,300, um, so I'm very, very happy about that, and um, we were just discussing possibly doing a little promotional run with it to maybe 
drive up some more sales. Um, we'll be pulling it down when hockey season ends, which is May, May-ish, May-ish. Is that a word? May-ish? I think the Penguins might be finishing then, yes. I can already see the Ranger-Penguin fight for that wild card spot. I can see it coming, and I don't know what we're going to do. We're, we'll okay. just... Okay. We're always very nice to each other. We're like, oh, yeah, way to go, Penguins. Uh. It's been a rough season for all of us. It, it has oh. been a rough season, yeah. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And double so for me, because neither the Penguins or the Red Wings are doing all that great. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've got a bit of a matchup tonight, haven't you? Oh, uh, no, back in January you had a matchup. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. recording this in January, despite it coming out in February. But yeah, tonight actually, <laughs> as we're recording it, and we should even say that for the changing on the fly figures too. That's as of January thirteenth that we're at that at that point for our, our earnings right. as well. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. So yeah, definitely for those who don't know, the that changing on the fly too features stories from the three of us plus Heather Lear, and all of those proceeds are going off to you can play to uh, help them do their very important work. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes so people can pick it up. And we'll also link to the particular podcast episode where we all gathered to talk about it. Yay! So what's coming up next for you two this year, together and separately? Go ahead, you go first, RJ. Oh, okay. Uh, well, together, we've just finished Last Defense, which is book five in the Railers series. And we're just planning, uh, getting a commissioning cover art for book six, which is called Gold Line. Is that right, Vicky? Gold I Line? Think, I think that's the, the yes. The, the working yes. title. The working the title. working title, yes. And, and we have a working blurb. Um, it covers, uh, it's the, the artist who creates the helmet work, you know, the, the goalies, mm -hmm. really, so, and a young goalie who joins the team as backup to Stan. So that's, that's really good. We'll be starting to write that after Pittsburgh, after I come out to Pittsburgh. So there'll be, um, we'll be talking that storyline face to face as opposed to over, uh, I am. Um, and then we've got, oh, so that's our... That's our August book, isn't it? May, August. And then Riker is coming out in October and then a crossover book in December. So that's Correct. two Correct. of us. And then we've got another two coming in the early next year. So, yeah, we, we're planned out into 2019 already. Good for you. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, myself, I've got the first... Um, what I'm writing at the moment is the first... I've written this down. Can you tell? Um, it's the first in a new series set in a fictional town of Whisper Ridge, Wyoming. It's a bit of a... Small town romance, ranch romance, cowboys, bad boys, doctors, my kind of trade, really. Um, and that's about a third of the way through. That should be with you late February, early March. And then I've got a new PI series that I'm getting to later in the year that um, one of the guys from that was actually from Texas 8, which came out at the end of last year. He was mentioned in there and people wanted his story. Um, and I'm also releasing um, Ellery 8 and the final Montana book um, this year. So, yeah, busy year. Really Indeed. busy year. Oh, me. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I also have my written down because I can't remember five minutes ago. Um, 
Um, RJ covered all of our stuff, so I do have the final book in my MF Venom series. That's coming out in March. Um, then I'll be doing a couple re-releases of books that I got back from a publisher that went down. Um, I'm currently working on Overtime, which will be the Cayuga Cougars number four. Um, so that's that's shaping up rather nicely. Um, I'm also going to be starting a new series, which is called the Colors of Love series. Um, and I'll be re- the first one is Lost in Indigo. And they're all going to be, they're all hockey, they're all hockey romance stories. And every title of the book reflects the color of the rainbow. Um, so Lost in Indigo is the first. I'll probably start working on the second one of that, which is A Touch of a Yellow Sun. But, you know, I have this to-write list. Um, other than that, and there's stuff with RJ. Oh, and I have a, my shifter books. I'm packaging them all up and hoping to release them around Halloween. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's busy. It's very, very busy. Nice. You two are inspirations for how much you're, you're generating over the next 12 months. So, yeah, good luck and keep it up. So what's the best way to keep up with you both online? For people who want to track the the progress and all this, uh, for me, uh, the best way is to go to my website, which is um, rjscott.co.uk, and remember it's .co.uk and not .com. Um, but I really should buy the .com. Thinking about it, um, and then on there is um, all the the various links to everywhere that I am. Yeah, fantastic. It's basically me too. I'm I'm everywhere. You can go to my website, which is vllosiauthor.com. Um, I spend a lot of time on Facebook. Probably way more time. Yeah, <laughs> too much time. Um, but uh, yeah, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, just vllosi. I have a author page and a readers group. And um, RJ and I are involved in a lot of groups on Facebook. And it's, it's we're just ridiculously busy. <laughs> but it sounds like you're having a lot of fun, too, which is great. We are. Yeah. We are. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you both for hanging out for a while with us today. Uh, we will thank link up to us. all the books and the websites. And best of luck on the Poke Check release. Thank you. Thank you once again to VL and RJ. I'm so glad to have them on the show. Yeah, it was a good time, and it was really good to hear, too, how the Changing on the Fly anthology is doing. Mm-hmm. So make sure you pick that up. It's only going to be around until about May, so your your time's ticking if you haven't picked that up yet. Okay. I think that'll do it for this week's episode. We hope you will join us next week for episode 124. Uh, we're going to have Lucy Lennox back. Uh, she's going to talk about Felix and the Prince, and Lisa from The Novel Approach will be here, and she'll have, of course, a ton of book recommendations. Absolutely. It's going to be good stuff. So guys, remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. So keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.